Hey everybody, today's episode is on meditation, huge subject with a lot to talk about, uh, but I wanted to start this episode a little bit differently and sort of ask you guys to take a moment with us. So can I get you guys to breathe in and breathe out and breathe in again and breathe out. Thank you for taking a second with us. Um, so yeah, like we mentioned in the intro, um, we have a lot of stuff to talk about today. Uh, but why don't we start, you know, with Damien's ever-present quote? <laughs> <laughs> so I have, I think, what is one of one of my favorite quotes, probably, um, just to try and encapsulate something that is a very um, important area and time in life to take out of your day. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is just off the top of my head, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's the Buddha that said this, but I could be wrong, so don't quote me on that. But today's quote <laughs> is, if you want to understand your mind, you need to sit down and observe it. I think that is yeah. a beautiful way to uh, segue into the start of this episode and um, mm -hmm. really does a good job of encapsulating why meditation is so important. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe you had a quote as well. So why don't we just run that? Oh, I did. You know, today's our 10th anniversary episode. So I thought I'd switch things up a little bit on you. But uh, my quote is from the book, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And um, the quote is, realize deeply that the present moment is all you have. Make the now the primary focus of your life. Um, I think that just kind of speaks to it as well from a different perspective, because um, you know, meditation more broadly, I think, is just defined as mindfulness, being aware that right now is really all you have and paying attention to what's going on in your body, your thoughts and really observing yourself and being very, very present. And I think, yeah, this is just a really beautiful quote that captures that. Why don't we start off with some of our personal experiences, um, you know, dealing with meditation and kind of going through the acts. Um, I've been actually meditating for quite a while. Um, I grew up pretty religious um, and kind of like the specific sect of um, Islam that uh, my parents followed uh, was Sufism. And it's more of like a mist, like part of the mystic side of um, Islam. Like it's very based on spirituality and meditation and, you know, uh, really diving inwards. Um, so I've kind of been trained from a young age to be very, very mindful and have those values of meditation. Um, so this is actually a pretty cool fact. So. Sufis, which is like, you know, the specific um, sect of Islam that I follow, uh, were actually the ones who uh, invented coffee in the 15th century because they have a form of meditation called dhikr, which is like a chanting meditation. And in the 15th century, they basically like invented coffee to help them stay awake while they did this meditation because they would do it for so long. Um, and the meditation that they do, like, is, is kind of like a chanting meditation. So you, like, repeat a couple words or phrases, like, they're obviously religious phrases. And you, you sit and you close your eyes and you just do it over and over for, like, an hour, two hours or whatever. And it's, it's a pretty crazy experience when you do it in a group, too. Wow. Yeah, because you really feel connected to everyone in the group and really, like, very much in the present moment. There's, like, nothing else you can think about when you're doing it. So, yeah, fun fact. I love coffee. So. Oh, wow. So you really got half the world hooked on this <laughs> substance. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about me, but <laughs> don't put the blame on me. But yeah, it, yeah, 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 there's a lot of history behind coffee. It's pretty cool. But yeah, so obviously from a young age, I was kind of exposed to mindfulness as a concept and like all those 
sorts of things. And yeah, I mean, uh, to this day, I, I try and make a habit of meditating. Um, but it's been a been a pretty long journey. Um, I kind of transitioned to like non-religious meditation uh, in the ninth and 10th grades. And that was interesting uh, in the sense that there's like a very different focus. And there's a lot of different types of meditation. We'll get into that later in the episode. But that was an interesting experience for me in terms of, you know, like staying committed when, you know, I didn't really need to do it. I wasn't doing it for religious reasons and doing it more so for like the scientific benefits, which we'll also talk about. Um, and I kind of fell off, you know, in university first couple of years, like, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff happened, but like, let's just suffice to say it was hard to like, <laughs> you know, sketch out an hour in the morning or like 20 minutes in the morning um, to, and you know, that's an excuse. Obviously that's an excuse. And, I'm making it, so it is what it is. But um, yeah, having having that time in the morning was very valuable to me. So I think on co-op is when I started, you know, really getting into meditation again. Um, it started at Walsampal actually, which is my fall term of last year. Uh, Walsampal actually had a pretty cool initiative where they were trying to push for mental health initiatives across the company. So they offered every employee a free Headspace account um, with like complete access to all of Headspace, which is pretty cool. I actually still That's use that cool. account uh it's it still works i don't know if like that's legal or not but whatever it works so i I still use that headspace account um which is pretty cool because like you know headspace is like i think 70 bucks a year so a little money saving right there but yeah so i use headspace quite heavily um i wouldn't consider myself like an advanced meditator or anything like that or even an intermediate i'm pretty beginner um but yeah that's sort of been my journey with meditation and kind of why i was interested in doing this episode how about you so uh, just before I get into mine, like, do you focus on a specific form of mindfulness meditation or um, is it just kind of generally you just kind of sit with yourself and your thoughts? Yeah, for sure. Um, so there are broadly four types of um, meditation. Obviously, there's, there's a thousand different more specific types, but the four broad types, and this is from a journal article published in, uh, can you remind me of the journal? Sorry, I forget. I was Pilos 1. Yeah, that yeah. journal. <laughs> this is the acronym um, for it, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's four broad types of meditation. There are breathing meditation, where, is, where you focus your attention on your breathing and kind of, you know, just your breath, like we did in the beginning of this episode. There's body scan, where you focus on each part of your body in turn. So usually you start with your head, and then you go to your toes all the way down. So you do arms, like legs, whatever, blah, blah, blah. There's loving kindness meditation, um, it's kind of a weird title, but uh, this is the one that actually results in the most net happiness gains, according to the study. Uh, but it's especially where you foster feelings of love and care. You start with individuals close to you that you really appreciate and you're grateful for, and then you eventually expand to the whole world. So you just like love the world. Uh, That's actually cool. the uh, the Dalai Lama's favorite form of meditation too. Really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, you know, according to the study, this is the one that results in the most happiness on its own. Uh, obviously it's better to do more types of meditation and Mm -hmm. you know meditation doesn't really have an upper limit but yeah that's so interesting if you're if you're trying to feel happier struggling with some stuff it's a great Mm -hmm. great way to do that and then there's observing thoughts meditation so uh in this type of meditation you notice your thoughts you label them and you avoid getting observed absorbed into them um so like when a thought comes up you kind of recognize that this thought is coming up um, you label it all as like, you know, positive or negative or anxious or whatever it is. And you don't judge it. You just let it pass. And then you focus your attention back on yourself and wait for the next thought to come. And research actually suggests that this type of meditation helps decrease our judgmental attitude towards others and our biases to a great extent, which is pretty cool. 
um, because you know unconscious bias is obviously something that affects all of us by definition. That and you know not being able to kind of pinpoint it is makes it hard to solve. And so I think meditation is definitely a great tool to kind of think about that and and get better at dealing with that. Um, so you asked me specifically what form of meditation I like to do. I think the easiest one for beginners, and I would consider myself a beginner, is breathing meditation because um, there is something to focus on. Sometimes I like to do observing thoughts meditation too, but I find that harder on, on certain days where you know I have a lot of thoughts going on or I'm pretty anxious about an upcoming deadline or something like that. Um, so yeah, typically I'll do breathing meditation. I will occasionally also do observing thoughts meditation. I've never done loving kindness, although there is a headspace course on it that mm. uh, I'm looking at doing. I think I tried it once actually, and I, I didn't quite grasp the concept. I think that might be a failing on my part, but um, it's just hard for me to love the whole world, like the whole interconnectedness feeling. I do feel that sometimes when I'm out at nature. And I know some people report like euphoric feelings when they're out at nature and things like that on a hike. Uh, and I have felt that for sure. Uh, I think that's very, very real. Like when you're like high up on a mountain or something and you feel super connected to, you know, everything around you. Um, but yeah, not necessarily have I felt that um, during meditation. I think that's part of the reason too. Like in Japan, I can't remember what exactly it's called, unfortunately, but the Japanese residents have it's almost mandatory for them to go out in nature and like just be amongst the trees and there's a specific nice. term for it um, but the, it's been widely reported to be uh, responsible for increasing happiness amongst other things as well wow. so yeah <clears throat> can being definitely amongst see nature that. is definitely uh, conducive for that mm-hmm. yeah yeah so, I can definitely definitely see that like I, I think it's just part and parcel with like living near you know mountains or trees or forests or anything like that like people are always happier when they're there or like when they can get that exposure and there's a lot of science that backs it up for sure but yeah and this also another um episode that i want to do in the future is um there are what are known as blue zones um if i'm not mistaken i think there's like 11 or so in the world Mm-hmm. And um, those are basically areas in the world that have significantly, statistically higher um, ages. Or, like, yeah, they have a statistically higher aged population. And mm. they're also, um, you know, happier, healthier, all of that for it. So mm. it's not just that they're living longer. They're also living more fulfilling, living honestly, yeah. lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of lessons we can take from those areas because like, there are a lot of commonalities which exist between them. So there is rhyme and reason to it. It's not just completely random. Like these guys are just genetically superior to us and they were designed to live long from the start. But that's for a future conversation. Definitely, yeah. I have a lot of thoughts on that actually, but let, let, let's yeah. leave that for another conversation. So yeah, tell me about you know your experience with meditation. So with mine, unfortunately, it's a little more fragmented. Um, there are periods where I find myself super com- um, dedicated to it and I'll be doing it consistently for like a week or two and then I'll just fall off of it for a while mm. and I'm committing myself to a 30-day meditation challenge right now so I'm about nice. this is today's day six of the 30 days um, mm-hmm. I'm just hoping it just leads to a more healthy habit at the end of it for sure but yeah for me my favorite forms of meditation are definitely a combination of like the breathing and the thought observing meditation for sure Mm -hmm. um but in the way i do it i also do integrate um body scanning as well Mm. so i'll usually start with 
the breathing to just kind of like focus myself and center myself. Mm-hmm. And then when I reach this, uh, this like almost like Zen like state, then I'll go through the body um, scanning and we'll start from the top of my head, make it go all the way down to the bottom of my toes. Mm-hmm. And after that, I engage in the thought observing for however much time I spend in meditation. Mm-hmm. And I found the more consistently I engage in meditation, the faster I'm able to go through this process and get to the point where I can like still my mind. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's very evident when there's just this turmoil and disarray going on in my head and then I'm just being constantly bombarded with thoughts and it's just one thought into the next. And I just find myself just off base a lot. Mm-hmm. So I hope that I can speak to the efficacy of um, committing yourself to a consistent meditation practice because um, as science has shown us, there are a swath of benefits that can be had from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, maybe we can go ahead and like jump into those benefits. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, before we do that, I actually wanted to ask, like, how long do you typically meditate for? Because I think there, there's like some research that shows like 20 minutes a day is like the best if you can be consistent. Um, there's actually a funny quote too it's like you should meditate 20 minutes a day and unless you're too busy then you should meditate an hour a day yeah yeah which is pretty cool uh, i forget who, who that that is attributed to but yeah i tried and do about 15 to 20 minutes it's hard for me to kind of squeeze in i mean i'm saying it's hard for me obviously i i can i typically don't prioritize that in my morning ritual as much uh which i maybe should but yeah i wanted to hear your thoughts on that um so typically I would engage in something between 50, 15, sorry, to half an hour. Mm-hmm. I did try um, going for like an hour long meditation before. And like, I think after about like 45 minutes of it, I just started getting like tired and like, I would catch myself like dozing off. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. It may have been a bad time of the day. Like it was late in the day um, when I was mm-hmm. trying it out. So I definitely do want to revisit that and try just, you know, sitting for an hour alone with my thoughts. Um mm-hmm. I think that can be a very thing. I've seen others do it and they've reported mm-hmm. that they've found a lot of benefit from it as well. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously it's not going to be something like I'm devoting an hour every single day to meditating. It's just like maybe once a week or maybe once a month or something. I'll just take a chunk out of my day and do that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to talk about, um, you know, some of the science behind the benefits of meditation and things like that. So uh, I have a list here of some certain things that, and these are all science backed that like, uh, and I can link the publication as well in the description of the episode. But uh, some things that meditation really helps with are it sharpens your attention. Um, now, there is the caveat that uh, scientists aren't sure if this applies to those with deficiencies, um, so like those with ADHD or like those needing, you know, supplements or like drugs to kind of supplement their attention. Uh, but in general, for most of the population, it helps sharpen your attention, which I think is, you know, very self-explanatory. Uh, by nature, when you're meditating, you're focused on f- either focusing on something or focusing on not focusing on things, which is, you know, a form of focus in and of itself, <laughs> I would I would argue. Um, so that's one of the really cool benefits. Uh, long-term meditation also helps to increase resiliency to stress. Uh, so, you know, with cortisol production and like all the stress that's happening in our lives, I think that's really important. Um, stress is linked to so many different disorders, heart disease, blood pressure, whatever it is. And, you know, relating it back to that episode about blue zones, actually, I think I, I've oh, heard yeah. about those as well. And I think the number one thing people always cite is that um, they might not eat healthier than other people um, and they might not, you know, necessarily be more active, 
but they always have lower rates of heart disease and things like that because they have less stress. So it's actually a Low hugely stress, underrated yeah. factor. Um, Especially like think, looking yeah. at um, I, one of my favorite examples, and I talk about it, is um, actually Warren Buffett. So yeah. he, I don't know if I've, we mentioned in the podcast before or not, but like I've definitely talked to other people about it. Mm-hmm. But obviously you see Warren Buffett, right? This guy yeah, is yeah. old and wrinkly and all that. <laughs> Um, but despite his age, you know, this guy eats McDonald's every single day, pretty much every day. And, you know, most people at his age, it would be ill-advised to uh, be doing most that. Most people in general, I think, would be ill-advised. <laughs> yeah, most McDonald's. people in general. Yeah. <laughs> um, if I think he's like 70 or 80-something, like really old. He's up there in age. And mm-hmm. part of the reason why he's able to just keep going at this rate is just because he keeps <laughs> his stress super low. And, you know, mm. part of that does become easier when you're a billionaire and you can kind of just do whatever you of want course, with life yeah. at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's an important um, thing to keep in mind. And meditation is definitely something that can help um, lower your, the levels of stresses that you observe in your life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, while, while like I'm not going to say that meditation increases your lifespan because that is necessarily not by <laughs> science. Like obviously, incre- like decreasing your stress expands your lifetime so you know meditate more and you'll live longer right (laughs) but um the other thing i think that i came across was meditation appears to increase compassion overall um and so this is very very like evident with the loving kindness meditation i think that's the one that uh results the most in in compassion increases but it's also like felt across all types of meditation which is interesting because you know think like you wouldn't think that focusing on your breath has any impact on your ability to be compassionate for other human beings, but um, it apparently does, which is pretty cool. Um, along with that compassion, uh, meditation also improves mental health. Um, there is a meta-analysis published in JAMA Internal Medicine uh, that suggests this uh, with statistical significance, which is pretty cool, but it does come with the caveat that uh, it might not be as effective as other steps to kind of combat your mental health issues. So this includes things like, you know, exercising more, eating healthier, uh, getting more sunshine, things like that. So, um, you know, I don't think it should be your only tool in your arsenal, but it can only help with uh, improving your mental health. Um, There is a small impact on physical health as well. This needs to be studied uh, more, but it doesn't appear to be too significant. Um, and then the final thing that I wanted to mention, you know, with, with all these benefits as well is an interesting counter argument against meditation. So there's a journal published by Jared Lindahl et al, um, that resulted in findings that showed that some people actually experience more fear and anxiety from meditation when they start doing that. Uh, so meditation is not necessarily for everyone. Um, they, they did like, you know, mention that this was definitely a huge minority of the population and it is more likely to happen with people who, who have experienced like th- things like trauma or PTSD, um, where, you know, when they're alone with their thoughts and they're kind of diving inwards into themselves, they're more likely to remember these traumatic events and experiences. Uh, but it also has occurred in people who have not had those experiences. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, you know, this isn't like blanket advice for everybody. Obviously, specific needs will differ. Yeah, I think one of the cool parts of um, perceived benefits of meditation that I want to kind of touch on a bit more is just the ability for it to reduce bias that we observe mm-hmm. in our lives. Um, because, you know, as with a lot of the automatic negative thoughts that we 
can kind of see in our lives, which again, meditation can help weed those out as well. Mm-hmm. Biases are very toxic towards the way we live our life. And, you know, like there is a point where I guess certain biases are important just because it reduces the cognitive mm-hmm. burden that we have to um, go through life with. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when it comes to things like, um, like racism or discrimination, mm-hmm. or even like we've, it's been found that sunk cost bias can be impacted by this as well. Mm. And those are all like, they can be very detrimental because we, it's hard to keep tabs on those things. For sure. But if you can, depending on the type of meditation, again, like each of those different types we mentioned before, like they do uh, come with it a unique benefit depending on which one you practice. But reducing those benefits and things like sunk cost bias can help you get out of, you know, toxic relationships um, faster and things like that <laughs> or breaking bad habits or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a really uh, important point to note as well. Mm-hmm. Also, just in like hearing you um, talk about this, uh, I remember, I believe I was listening to another podcast when I was learning about this, but this was like a while ago, but they were talking about the different forms of psychotherapy and how that's evolved over time Mm -hmm. and of course like mindfulness is something that's relatively recent um in its uh ubiquity that we see in society now Mm -hmm. because before it was more of like a fringe thing and it it wasn't really given the um spotlight Mm -hmm. but i guess just to give a quick brief history of psychotherapy at first it started (laughs) with the whole freudian um iceberg iceberg right like um, and basically the prevailing thought was that the things you think, the thoughts that you have, they do have meaning and they are important. Mm. So if you have, you know, toxic thoughts like or whatever, it's important to follow through with them and to see where they come from and then try and remedy some of the negative ones. For sure. And then after that came looking at thoughts in a light that wasn't as seriously. So you had to challenge them. Mm-hmm. So instead of just accepting those negative thoughts for what they were, like, oh, I'm a failure, mm-hmm. it's important to try and figure out and think about it in a contradicting light. Like, okay, how am I successful? How have I overcome failure in the past? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this has been historically found to see results faster than the Freudian approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, at the time, like, this was more ubiquitous than the Freudian. And then after that came the thoughts are meaningless approach which is the whole like third wave mindfulness therapy mm-hmm. and that's what we see like really prevailing um psychotherapy circles now and mm-hmm. we see a lot more quote-unquote just like normal people practicing it now too just to attest to like the power of it mm-hmm. and you know a lot of really busy a lot of really successful people they all take time out of their day to uh, to meditate as a form mm-hmm. of decompression or just to take a bit of a break from the day and like reset Mm-hmm. yeah so, no, for sure i definitely yeah. see all those points i think what you mentioned about bias is particularly interesting because i think we live in a world where where and there's a really good malcolm gladwell book on this his most recent book talking to strangers uh, is, is very much on the subject of you know now we live in a world where we're confronted by so many different people like previously you know if you lived in a small town like you interact with maybe 100 150 people max in your lifetime and you kind of know everybody, everyone's from the same culture, things like that, most likely from the same race. But nowadays, you know, in an increasingly global society, especially exacerbated by the internet, but also, you know, people move around a lot more because of planes and things like that. 
Um, we're confronted with way, way, more, way more strangers than we have been in the past. And it becomes increasingly important to be able to have compassion for different types of people and to reduce your unconscious biases towards these people. So I think, you know, it, it kind of makes sense that meditation has become more more of a focus in a lot of successful people's eyes because, you know, as they are forced to interact with more people, they need to have this like lower level of bias. And, you know, whether or not they do is a matter for debate. Uh, but I think it's super positive. And actually, there's a study uh, by Adam Luke and colleagues, um, and I'll link it as well in the description that shows that um, a brief uh, stint of mindfulness training decreases unconscious bias in white people against black people and elderly people. Um, they demonstrate less biased behavior and not just attitudes um, when they have mindfulness training, which is pretty, pretty cool. Um, and they, mm -hmm. the way they tested this is in a trust game. Um, so I can link you the study as well in the description, but I think that's just super, super cool that, you know, that, that, that's a thing at all. Like a lot of people like talk about unconscious bias. And one of the most important things about reducing unconscious bias is just being aware of it. But it's cool that like a daily habit like this can help, you know, reduce that kind of bias, which I think is super powerful. And I think that's enough of a reason for myself to even do this, you know, as well. Like it just kind of backtracking to like the quote that I opened the episode with. If you want to understand your mind, you need to sit down and observe it. Mm -hmm. um, we're so inundated by stimuli all the time that we don't really actively think about the the way that we we're going through the world and the way that we're thinking about that. Mm -hmm. And you know, I keep like mentioning like those automatic negative thoughts, but those are ants, super bro. toxic. Those the ants, ants, they build up, and you know, it's not immediately evident the toll that it takes on you, but. And sometimes other people can definitely see that. And for you to be able to have kind of this mastery over your mind and be able to navigate the world in a way that, you know, you feel like you're the driver and not just the passenger. Mm -hmm. That's a hugely beneficial thing to be able to um, gain from this. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's as, really cool. The the whole yeah. driver analogy. Sorry for interrupting, but no, I was just sorry, thinking yeah. it. Uh, I had a great conversation with with someone recently, and they were talking about video game characters and how you know you really got to feel like you're the main character in your video game. Like you can't be a backup character, you can't be a side character, you can't be an NPC. And mm -hmm. I I just think it's cool how meditation relates to that as well because you know if you're the main character, you need to understand why you're making the decisions you're doing because ultimately that's what ends up affecting your life the most so yeah just like being able to observe yourself is such an important skill because i think people assume that they know the reasons why they do things or you know the decisions they make but that's definitely not the case like there are a lot of decisions you make that you look back on you're like why the heck did i do that like you brought an interesting example of like toxic relationships and you know fortunately i haven't been in that situation but like if you're in a relationship that's like consistently toxic for you and it's like horrible for you and everybody gets out of it and they're like, oh, why didn't I just leave, bro? Like, it was obvious. Um, you know, like, that is an example of how you just really don't know yourself. You know what I mean? Like, you really yeah, do not 100%. know the thought processes that are going into that decision. But yeah, sorry, interrupted. But no, and, but that was actually a pretty good segue um, into what I was going to say. But Aristotle said that knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. Mm. And that is very, very true because in the, the examples you gave, right? that's a very reactionary thing and you know a lot of us do go through life and we're that's exactly what we're doing we're reacting instead of responding mm -hmm. um, and that's the difference between being intentional versus being um, just 
like just instinctual, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much like it's important to be able to engage in that reflection, and I think meditation does give you pause for reflection as well. Like it gives you a stop from constantly. I don't know what it's. It can be music. It can be TV shows. It could be podcasts. Mm-hmm. It could be reading. Like there's just so many ways your phone to um, just gorge yourself on this different stimuli mm-hmm. that you know we find ourselves addicted to that. We're hyper vigilant and it's almost friction. There's a lot of friction, a lot of inertia with just taking time out of your day just to like relax, like sit down for sure. Maybe try and do a bit of journaling or just you know just don't consume more things start pouring out some of your own thoughts onto a page or start Mm -hmm. thinking for yourself and you know i'm speaking from personal experience when i say that like when i first started journaling and when i first started like meditating Mm -hmm. it was a it was really hard just like straight up it was really Mm -hmm. hard and i did not want to do it but getting through that and just being stubborn i suppose seeing the light at the end of the tunnel is some like one of the things that I'm most grateful for. And like, I'm mm-hmm. trying to help kind of spread that message just because I know that other people can derive a lot of value from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and at least we're like a happier life, you know? Yeah. It's definitely like a very hard thing to get into, but I think it pays off really, really well, especially long-term. Like once it becomes a habit, the benefits just sort of compound onto each other. Um, I think you, you brought up an interesting point about, you know, like living in such a stimuli enforcing world. Um, and so I want to share some things that, you know, like I do to, you know, days that I maybe can't meditate or even days when I do meditate and I just feel like things are a little much, um, there are some habits that like I have that I found that like really helped me to be, you know, more in the present moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those are like, interestingly, like combining activities. So one thing that, um, I used to do a lot was when I ran, I would do breathing meditation and I found that to be really, really Uh, like a really cool combination of things because you know when you're running and uh, this is before i had my airpods i couldn't listen to you know podcasts while i was running um but in high school a lot of times like i go for a run with nothing not my phone like literally nothing just go for a run with my watch and you know like timing the kilometers or whatever and it's a really interesting process to be able to kind of slip into a meditative state as you're running where the only thing you're focusing on is like one foot in front of the other you kind of do like a body scan too and you you're doing like a breathing meditation as well because you really need to focus on your breathing if if you're going to be competitive in running right because it's very important like to breathe properly if you're going for like you know 20k 30k whatever it is so that's like a a process that has actually been really really good for my mental health and you know obviously running along with running comes like a shit ton of mental health benefits like endorphins and all that and like your physical fitness and just like more oxygenation to the rest of your body um but I found that like combining that with meditation was like a really good way to, you know, kill two birds with one stone. Cause like you go for a 30 minute run and like if 20 minutes of that is meditative as well, then you're, you're like basically doing two things at once. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. And then in recent years, you know, when I haven't been running necessarily, I've been using the gym as, as kind of like a meditative mindful moment as well. Um, in the gym, something that's really important, especially for bodybuilding is to have the mind muscle connection. And that's like often cited by bodybuilders, like you know Arnold Schwarzenegger or whoever as like a very important factor in like developing you know lean muscle um it's important to like when you're doing an exercise to focus on the muscle itself like to put all your attention into that muscle and really feel the contraction as you're doing it and it's interesting because 
you know, even when you take weight out as a factor, people who tend to have more mind-muscle connection can like literally do equivalent workouts. And there's like people like this that are pretty cool on the internet where they just like flex their arm and they'll like start from the bottom and just like, you know, struggle a lot lifting it up. And it looks like they're doing nothing, you know, because they're not lifting weights <laughs> or anything like that. They're just like, like flexing. And they'll, they'll, they'll get like a, a proper workout in from that, which is pretty cool. Just from um, flexing their just arm? Like, literally just from flexing. Like, I mean, like, obviously they do other workouts, but it's like, yeah, you know, yeah. you hold up and you start, you, like, you can imitate a curl, right? So you start like flat and you like pivot at the elbow and you just go like that and you flex and you feel all the muscle fibers or whatever. And like people like that are ripped. Like they're, they're examples of people that just do those exercises. I'm like, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. And I think that's an extreme of it, but I think it's cool how like you can integrate these different forms of meditation and that, that kind of just goes with body scan too, right? When you're doing like a split, like you're really focusing on your shoulders, you're really focusing on the individual contractions uh, of like your pectorals or whatever it is. And it really helps you to be more mindful as you do that. And I, I always work out in the morning too. So I always found that to be like a pretty cool method of just like, you know, getting into the zone, focusing on myself, um, focusing on like what my mind is doing and what my body is doing and nothing else. And I wouldn't like, you know, check Facebook or things like that. Like I would just have my music on and myself and that's it. And I found that to be really, really helpful. So yeah, a little, little tip. I think this is a good point you mentioned too, just cause like, again, meditation isn't just this um, like rigid thing. It's, it can be very mm -hmm. amorphous and, you know, like we said, there's a whole bunch of different schools of meditation, but even through engaging in things like exercise or yoga, stuff like that, like you can mm -hmm. definitely get into a meditative state through doing that. And it's all about just letting your mind kind of just go, like stop thinking about everything too much. Mm -hmm. And it's like with those different, with those things, like when you're exercising, um, typically with traditional meditation, you know, breathing is the object of meditation that helps you um, kind of center mm -hmm. yourself. But Again, like you said, with focusing on just feeling that muscle contract or feeling the stretch of your um, your body parts, those are also objects that you can focus on that help you get into that state as well. Mm -hmm. And so something that I've also um, thought about, and this was something I, I guess like a little earlier in my meditation journey, but mm -hmm. I was thinking about why it see it feels like as we get older you know time just starts to slip through our fingers right yeah like you know as they say the the day the days feel long and the years are short mm. and i remember back when i was a kid it felt like days took forever i felt like i was going to be a kid forever and then mm, you know i'm yeah, starting yeah. to get into that point where you know days are starting to slip through my fingers and especially you know now during like quarantine and everything it's easy for mm -hmm. just a whole day to go by without like nothing really happening but yeah, yeah when i was going into that a bit more i realized that you know it's kind of mindfulness at the heart of it that differentiates mm -hmm. us from kids in that because you know as a kid mm -hmm. we're really only like fully present in the moment like we're just concerned mm -hmm. about like, yo I, got, I can't wait to like hop on xbox and like run some cod with my boys or like yeah, yeah we're out yeah. here playing basketball you know i can't wait for this class to be over so i can do this your concerns are more day to day than they are, or like hour to hour, or minute exactly. to minute than they are. Like, you know, oh, uh, should I like should I grind this project at work so I can get a raise in a year and a half? Like, yeah, you know, type of thing. And then that's yeah. the thing. Like, we are. It's a lot more. It's hyper short term, versus once mm -hmm. you get older, you know, you think about like, oh shit, I gotta get a job, 
oh man, I got this test coming up, or like, you know, relationship stuff, like blah, blah, blah. Like, there's a lot of things that <laughs> yeah. it's a lot more um, long term that you're thinking about, and it's easy to lose yourself in that. So you remove yourself from the, the present, and you're either living in the future or dwelling on the past. And mm-hmm. there's no consistency with to kind of bring yourself back to the present moment. But mm-hmm. I've found that meditation is a wonderful tool for that. Like, I don't know if you mm-hmm. felt the same, but like for me, if I, depending on like how well this session went, I guess, I mm-hmm. almost get this like glow after it where everything just seems kind of more, it's it's kind of cliche like to say down. not even slow down it, it just yeah. seems more beautiful like i i just like it's this there's, there's something to be said about cutting out so i usually do it with my eyes closed right um mm-hmm. cutting out like the visual stimuli just staying in that state for a while and then when you open your eyes again there's so many things that you see in your environment you realize like oh wow you, just you know? appreciate so much yeah, yeah this like yeah, this yeah. lampshade is so beautiful i didn't realize that there was so much of the universe <laughs> in it sounds like you're getting high bro <laughs> and you know it it's funny you say that because like there are a lot of parallels that can be drawn between meditation and psychedelic drug use and oh yeah of yeah, course, they, yeah it's again this is at the higher levels but people have reported almost psychedelic experiences um in meditating but again mm-hmm. these are like once you become extremely well versed with it and you know meditation comes as easily as breathing does to you definitely there's actually an interesting aside the two asides i have from that like um a lot of like you know traditional meditation is done fasted as well and there's some science that shows like when you're fasted and you, your body is running not off the, the blood glucose that you have but the ketone bodies that you produce um you're actually more likely to you know enter that state which is pretty cool because like you're combining the fasting with the meditation yeah and you enter this like next psychedelic state which like you know i personally never experienced but i'd be down uh, and then the other the other thing that's cool is like there's actually another form of meditation that you know might be a sub form of body scan i'm not sure uh but it was in a new york times article i was reading um there is uh what's the technical term mindful eating meditation oh. which is pretty cool because it you know just you know when you're when you have the munchies and you're snacking on something, <laughs> it's funny that like it's similar to that experience in the sense that like you know you're you really get to experience the textures of food but essentially mindful eating is where you sit down you eat a meal and you really think about like the aroma the experience of putting something in your mouth like the experience of like the texture of the food the taste and you really slow down and enjoy that process um and there's there's a lot of benefits to that too in terms of like you know like like slowing down your eating is is always a good thing because it helps you eat like be more fulfilled after a meal and also helps hormones catch up so you feel more full before like the end of the meal which is very important for overeating and things like that uh but i think i think it's cool how like there's a lot of parallels between you know altered states of mind and meditation so it's kind of like you know a free way to experience things like this that are like very beneficial to your body and all they really require is like a little bit of time and a little bit of effort and that's it really so i think it's pretty cool yeah um and like do you know who nasim taleb is yes i've heard yeah yeah. so this guy's like super genius um but he uh i think it was in the black swan i can't remember which one of his books but he um Mm kind of coined the term like the lindy effect and Mm -hmm. um usually with that we find that um like think it could be like literally anything it could be like um religious practices it could be technology it could be i don't know like just a candle like any random thing but we find that the its lifespan is related to how ubiquitous typically it's um, in the population 
oh, I'm kind of butchering mm-hmm. this, but basically it's found that the longer that it stays a to- relevant topic in um, in society, astrology is a good example, actually. Um, it's found that it adds, actually lends itself to like lower mortality too, amongst other things, but it becomes more prevalent the longer it exists. So it's actually strengthening its tie towards like society. Um, mm. And psychedelic drug use has been around forever <laughs> like straight up yeah like, if you go like especially like down in the amazon right um even now you get guided um rituals from shamans that are willing to do that for you mm-hmm. and that's a powerful thing to be said about that so i, I don't know it's it's weird how much of the mind is accessible for us and you don't need to be resorting to psychedelics if you don't want to. Like mm-hmm. all the secrets of your mind can be unlocked through just meditating and just observing your mind, yeah. your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. This is a really cool point. Like there's so much about our mind that we, and like you said, like the, the quote you started with, like there's so much of our mind that we just don't know about because we don't observe it and we don't, like we aren't intentional about things. And I don't know, that's something I'm, like my personal philosophy definitely very much is in accordance with in terms of like being intentional about the things Mm -hmm. you do and we talked about it more in our time management episode as well but like yeah like you know doing things on purpose because you you plan them out to be how they are and doing things because you want to do things are very different from like just reacting to things and so i think meditation is sort of an extension of that because you're you're sitting there and it might seem reactionary but in the end you're doing it so you can be more yeah, intentional for sure um, you're doing it so you can recognize these different urges and different you know thoughts and different asides that your mind has and really stay centered and focused even after all those things so yeah, yeah there's a couple yeah, things definitely like, very, very i just want to mention too. there yeah. um i guess i'll start with just like backtracking quick to um the mindful eating you mentioned um i think it's a g- mm-hmm. good point because like how often are we just just sitting there with our meal you know, usually we have our phones mm. out there with us or like there's a TV on or something. Or a person. Like, or a person, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's all taking away from the moment. And that's can be translated to a lot of different areas in life too where we're really not fully engaged in whatever task that we're doing. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess like another way to think about it is trying to engage in that flow state in everything. Even if you're eating, get into flow. If you're working, get into flow. If you're sleeping, get mm. into flow. Yeah. Uh, just focus on whatever you are doing. But um, the other point that you mentioned with learning more about yourself so you can be intentional, um, you know, as, again, mm-hmm. I'm just full of quotes today, but, um, yeah, <laughs> and so I said the unexamined life. I'm about it, I'm about yeah, it. Okay, okay, as long as you're with it. The unexamined life <laughs> is not worth living. And there's a lot mm. of different reasons why that's true. But, again, like, the intentionality with which you're able to live life is one of the biggest hallmarks of why that is true and you know we Mm -hmm. find more about who we are and what we want out of life so we can find that north star that guides us and once you current once you start having that you can start crafting your own future rather rather than letting something or someone else dictate that for you and you know Mm -hmm. as i say like the best way to predict the future is to create it so what better Mm -hmm. way than to do that for yourself Mm mm-hmm yeah. It's, a, it's a beautiful quote and it, it just makes me think about like a lot of my personal experiences in meditation too especially like the observing thoughts meditation like i don't know like sometimes you go down rabbit holes and things and like you know 
part of observing thoughts isn't like necessarily striving to have no thoughts. It's more so like, you know, th like observing what thoughts happen and labeling them and avoid getting like absorbed into them and like avoid judging yourself for them, but just like recognizing what they are. And you, there's so many like times when like, I don't know, like when you think about something and you're like, wait, but like, why? Like, why do I think this? Like, who is influencing me to think this? Like, you know, maybe you think about like, oh, you're anxious about doing work. Well, why do you want to do work? Because like, you want to impress this person? Like, you want to get these good grades? Like, why do you want to get these good grades? Like, it, there's like interesting, like interesting instances where some things that you assume are just like baked into your human being are actually just, you know, products of pressure your parents put on you or pressure society's put on you. Or maybe like somebody you admire that you're just trying to emulate and has nothing to do with what you value and like what you want to accomplish. And yeah, like obviously architecting that yourself is in my opinion, infinitely preferable yeah. to just being the slave of all these reactionary events and things like that. And, influences. and, and so again, like you, you brought up like a bunch of really great points there. Um, but <laughs> with the whole thing with, you know, the why, right? If you have a why you can bear almost any how and mm. part of what, uh, so you mentioned a really important point with that. It's non-striving like meditation really is non-striving. It'd be non-judgmental. Like there shouldn't be like all this mm -hmm. friction. Like it's the whole point isn't to suppress thought. It's basically to just observe it and accept it as they fly through your mind. So, mm -hmm. you know, once you notice yourself getting distracted, just like observe like whatever thought that you're having and then bring your mind back to the breathing or whatever the object mm -hmm. of your meditation was. Keep doing that. And mm -hmm. Eventually you will find your mind slipping again. And then again, just engage in this whole loop again, you know, just look mm -hmm. look at what the thought is and just take it at face value take it for what it is accept it acknowledge it and then go back to breathing it's not yeah. repression the repression is not the the main goal of it yeah for sure i think that's a really good point to close on too just like some some tips um for you know maybe a first time meditator or anyone who's listening out there that maybe hasn't done it before is kind of intimidated um there's a lot of resources out there you know you don't necessarily have to listen to what we have to say uh, but just compiling from like some experiences like the New York Times is a great article. Um, New York Times dot com slash guides slash well, how to meditate. It's it does a really great job of like kind of explaining the basics. But I think the key points to take away are setting aside some time every day and making it a routine is very, very key. Uh, for me, that's easiest when I wake up uh, just because like I have nothing else on my plate. Um, and before I work out typically, uh, and that'll be like, you know, 10, 15 minutes on headspace, um, just doing it quick, just making sure I do it every day is really, really important. Um, and like you mentioned, there's, there's some tips about like when your mind wanders, simply notice it, take a moment and go return back to your, to your meditated state. Like don't, don't guilt yourself. Don't judge yourself for, for any thoughts you have. Feel free to label them if you want, but move on from them just let them appear and let them disappear just as easy as they came up yeah um, and also just a quick note there are a bunch of really great um guided meditation apps that are out there um for mm -hmm. when you are just starting out because like it can be a little confusing as to you know what it is that you really have mm -hmm. to do um so a couple of those as you mentioned headspace is great um one of my mm -hmm. favorites is um waking up by sam harris who's a neuroscientist and like he he's one of like the I guess biggest voices when it comes to popularizing meditation right now. Mm -hmm, um, and mm -hmm. then there's also uh, 10% Happier by Dan Harris, unrelated to Sam Harris. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's Calm.ly, I think. There's, there's another app like that. Yeah, there's, there's, a, a, there's a bunch of yeah. apps out there. 
and yeah keep in mind that like it's not even just for beginners like i still use headspace and like i yeah i mean i guess i am a, a beginner but it's not like my first time meditating um and so yeah like guided meditation i think i was very skeptical of it at first especially because headspace uses this british dude and he's like i don't know man hearing a british accent i don't know if you've been on twitter recently but there's so many memes about british people it's like, it's 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 just funny yeah, man. Yeah. but um yeah i was very skeptical at first i was like oh i don't want to listen to this guy tell me what to do but like you, first off i think you can change the voice you can huge yeah. plus you can change it to an american accent um i didn't know that until a couple weeks in unfortunately but uh, beyond that i think there's no shame in like you know letting someone do the work for you in terms of like what to think about because i think as a beginner it's it's often hard to think about like okay what is meditation like what am i actually supposed to do and so doing guided meditations like that is really great and headspace has you know i'm not i'm not sponsored in any way i just it's just the only app i've used personally but they have like different tracks and courses on things so like they have a, a course on like time management or like a co- course on like gratefulness or compassion or whatever it is um and you can do those tracks specifically and there'll be like 20 different sessions so you could just like do them over a month track your progress and you could redo it too which is pretty cool um that's actually how i first got into like the loving kindness uh method of meditation because i think well our headspace had a track that was on compassion and feeling grateful um and it was pretty pretty cool so i also want to um throw out a quick podcast recommendation um and this is a podcast that I personally really enjoy. Um, and it's a nice little break from, you know, constantly um, listening or like engaging in things that are very technically heavy. Um, this is a bit more storytelling mm-hmm. woven into it. And, you know, it's just a beautiful soundtrack. But the podcast is called uh, Meditative Story. There's it, like mm. each episode has a different individual. Um, some of the names you might notice, like Pico Iyer, for example. And they're just telling a story from a particularly profound moment in their lives. And there are meditative cues woven into the episode. And I think it just, it's beautiful. Like, it's just art in motion in your ears. Um, and I would highly yeah, recommend. An auditory experience. An auditory yes, experience. Um, but yeah, yeah you know, the, there's plenty of resources out there to um, help you get up to speed with it. And... You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of benefit to be had too so i think we can bothly bothly i think we can both give our gold star <laughs> recommendation for meditation as a daily practice absolutely yeah yeah man feel free to whoever's out there listening feel free to try it out see how it works for you how it doesn't work for you we'd love to hear your thoughts and you know kind of more more of your thoughts on on our podcast and on this episode in particular but we just also want to say thank you so much for the continued support uh, it's the 10th episode, and I don't know, every time I see a message from somebody, not that I get a lot, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a struggle out here, we're, we're, still, we're still getting up there, but, you know, every time I see a message, it's an encouraging one, like, it, it really just makes my day and really makes me glad that I'm doing this and glad that I'm able to kind of share my perspective on, and I'm very privileged to be able to do that with you, so thank you everybody who's listening and thank you damien too. yeah i can definitely echo to that too like again yeah it's not yeah. Huge, it's not like we have swarms of fans coming at us but we really <laughs> do appreciate you taking the time out of your day to send us a message just encouraging us and even just saying thank you for the work that we're doing like i would never have fathomed that we would be in a position to be thanked by other people for the work that we're doing like this so it's yeah. it's heartening it's motivating and humbling all at the same time yeah, for sure. It's a beautiful yeah. point to Good stuff. wrap it up there. Definitely. Stay beautiful, people. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs>